When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you are listening to episode 188 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. On today's show, we are discussing the lasting impacts of COVID-19 on the anti-single-use movement. Now, citing sanitation, but without citing any research to support their claims, many communities that have perhaps fought long and hard to ban plastic bags and styrofoam and plastic water bottles have embraced them again. Why is it In times of fear, do we resort to single-use plastic, and how can we change this mindset going forward? I'm asking these questions to my guests today. Today, I'm speaking with Miles Pepper and Martika Wakeman, the co-founders of SantaKind, which is a solution to the plastic hand sanitizer bottle problem. SantaKind is a refillable sanitizer dispenser made from recycled plastic And Miles and Martika started this company during the pandemic as a way to mitigate pandemic-related overuse of plastic. Well, I'm really looking forward to diving deep into the lasting implications COVID-19 has had on this anti-single-use movement, because I know in my personal life, I see an awful lot of single-use waste I'm thinking masks, I'm thinking plastic bags, I'm thinking sanitizer bottles, I could go on and on. And so I'm looking forward to picking both of your brains, so to speak. But before we do any of that, tell my listeners who you are and what you do. Yeah, hi. Thanks for having us on, Stephanie. So my name's Miles. I'm sitting here with Martika. We are the co-founders of SantaKind. A little background on me is about three years ago, I started a company called Final Straw, which was a solution for single-use plastic straws. It was the first collapsible, reusable drinking straw. And that sort of launched me into the world of startups and sustainability and having the real focus to help people replace single-use items in their lives with a product that is incredibly convenient and better than the single-use plastic alternatives. Yeah. And my background is more academic focused. I've worked with startups and always been an impact in one way or another, whether it was environmentally focused or socially focused. I hold a master's in sustainability where I had the opportunity to work on waste in Sierra Leone, Western Africa. So that really culminated with the global 
economy and how waste is sent to global south countries, how the pressures of the global GDP interact with poverty and waste and the environment. So after that and going to school for business as well, when Miles and I met during the pandemic, we met over Zoom, <laughs> introduced through a friend. Our passions together made a lot of sense. And then, of course, with COVID, the prompt for Santa Kind was, was pretty evident. Well, I like how you mentioned there, Martika, that uh, waste, literal waste, gets sent to Global South. And I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I do know that Sanakind sources its recycled plastic from, I believe, Haiti and Mexico. So I, I really appreciate you solving that problem where we are sending our waste away to different parts of the globe that are not able to handle our waste. Tell us about Sanakind. What on earth is this new company that you created during a pandemic? By the way, congratulations. That's amazing. I was sitting on my couch watching Bravo <laughs> and you guys are starting a new company. <laughs> so what is Sanakind and what problems are you hoping that Sanakind solves? Yeah. So the backstory on Sanakind is really interesting. March 2020, the world was falling apart. No one knew what was happening. There's a scary virus. The shelves were empty of all sanitary products. Toilet paper, I'm sure you remember, was the big one, but sanitizer was up there just as much. And I had a an email come through from my mom who had forwarded me a message from my grandmother's nursing home, this desperate plea for toilet paper and sanitizer and some other products. And they had about 80 people inside of their the this nursing home that didn't have access to these products. And I knew that the FDA had just allowed distilleries to start manufacturing hand sanitizer. And I knew a local distillery near this nursing home. It was the same town I grew up in. And I put the distillery and the nursing home in touch. And two days later, they had hand sanitizer. And that was a huge lifesaver for them, literally, as they were unable to get even soap at that point. So there was that realization of, you know, there's a lot of people in desperate need for this product and these distilleries don't know how to get it to the right people. And so what we quickly developed was this website called Disinfect Connect, which we ended up connecting about 125 distilleries around the country with about 32,000 at need individuals throughout the United States. And we started so that's this- like nonprofits, hospitals, yeah. nursing homes, like the most needing or vulnerable citizens because they were trying to get in touch with these distilleries. The distilleries were trying to help the most vulnerable, but couldn't sift through literally 10,000 emails a day asking for sanitizer, let alone vet them to make sure that they were the real deal. Yeah, we, we, we sort of started this like yellow pages of distilleries and people who need hand sanitizer. It was these two industries that had never worked together. It was healthcare and alcohol producers, like they never <laughs> talked to each other. And so what we saw was this huge lack of communication and desperate need and, you know, overwhelmed distilleries. And what we ended up doing was creating this platform to connect these two different types of organizations. And we were able to help a, a large amount of people really, really quickly. And then that sort of morphed itself into what became Sanakind as these distilleries were making more and more product, as people were getting a grip on the pandemic 
and more sanitizer was available, Martique and I were looking at the changing landscape and we saw a real need for a product that was just a step above what was on the market. And that's how Sanikind was born. It would actually reduce the plastic crisis that was coming out of COVID. It was, well, you know, once everything, the supply and demand got, was caught up, it was, it was like, oh no, there's, there's a, a, a bigger issue perhaps here than we all imagined, which is just the amount of plastic that's been created. I would assume that a lot of my listeners who are tuning in right now are used to buying their sanitizer in the plastic bottle. Maybe they hang it on their backpack. Maybe they don't. And then once the bottle is empty, they throw out the bottle and they buy a new one. How is Sanikind different? How is Sanikind much more circular? Yeah. So with Sanikind, we've got two products. One is our mini, which is a small refillable hand sanitizer spray. We make it from upcycled plastic from the ocean. We collect it in Haiti and in Mexico. And that's the mini. And then we also have a refill, which is eight ounces that can refill the mini roughly eight times. So we've got this whole circular zero plastic waste product that contains no single-use plastic and is completely circular. And with the aluminum, that can be recycled endlessly. It's one of the most recyclable types of material out there. And so with Sanikind, we've developed this really easy way to carry your sanitizer with you. It clips to your keys, clips to your belt, onto your purse, into your bag. So you never leave your home without it. And you can stay safe and clean and also help save the ocean at the same time. Yeah, all while looking really cute. We always forget to add how cute it is, but I think um, we're the swell water bottle of sanitizer. We make really cute, fun shades of colors and prints. We just came out with a, a pink marble that is awesome. So no more doomsday. It's just fun. <laughs> I'm looking at the pink marble right now and just saying if anybody in my life needs a great birthday present for me, my birthday's in June, I would like the pink marble <laughs> of Sanikind. <laughs> We heard you loud and clear. It's coming your way. <laughs> it's so cute. I love it. And Miles, hats off to you for designing such a not only adorable, but really utilitarian product. Before we talk about all the ways in which the pandemic has set the anti-single-use movement back, let's talk for a quick minute about the ways in which potentially the pandemic has helped environmentalism. There has been positives. I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, there were deer hanging out on the Golden Gate Bridge. There was a significant reduction in CO2 emissions, at least in the beginning, because cars were driving less. What are some of the ways in which all of us slowing down, staying home more, how has that helped our planet? It's funny, I just saw a trailer for a David Attenborough documentary that was filming all of these amazing and yeah. uh, ecological sort of reversals on climate change and the negative impacts that us as humans are causing to our world. So we've seen that. I remember a, a stark example was the canals in Venice were clear and you could see the fish and that's never happened before. There was, you know, instances like that. But at the same time, we're seeing a lot of people switching from reusable products, you know, the plastic bags or the reusable bags that you could bring into grocery stores 
grocery stores weren't letting you do that. And there were so many examples like that where everything was reverting back to single use. So there were a lot of upsides, but at the same time, the fear of you know, contracting this virus really impacted the amount of reusable things that we use in our daily lives. Yeah, I think to add to that, we've never had such an, you know, it was unfortunate, of course, but an experiment like this where the world actually literally stopped so that we could see air pollution clear, we could see boats stopping, we could we could see actual species come back. It's pretty remarkable whale populations, bird populations. And so in a very short amount of time, the data just shows that we can make an impact and our actions and our policies, they really do matter. So I think on a societal level, we saw that, but on an individual level, we also really got to enjoy nature more. We actually got the time, you know, when there was nothing else to do. I think we all recognized that a going for a walk was was pretty high on the list or, you know, getting outside. We've never seen our national parks so busy. It's really remarkable to see people connect with nature. I mean, bike sales are just through the roof. I live in San Francisco and you cannot buy a mountain bike if you want to. You know, they're, they're backordered till 2022. That's really remarkable that of course that's more consumerism if you look at it through that way but you know that person who's connecting with nature now they're going to start to take different different actions and care more as we all know you you just get connected to nature in such a different way when you get to spend time in it i love that question because i think it's 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 so easy to to think about all the the negatives but there were a lot mm. of positives miles you had mentioned the single use problem (laughs) as it relates to the pandemic. And that's really where I wanted to center our conversation today. We are going to discuss the nitty gritty behind the single use plastic problem as it relates to a global pandemic after a quick word from this week's sponsor. The Sustainable Minimalist Podcast is supported by outrage and optimism. The world has been experiencing a convergence of crises. None of us has been immune to the challenges of this moment in history. Some argue that the greatest of them all is the climate crisis, and few of us know what to do about it. Isn't it all just too big for any one of us? Outrage and Optimism is a lively weekly podcast in which hosts Christiana Figueres, former UN climate chief, and her partners Tom Rivet-Karnick and Paul Dickinson set out to help us navigate the complexities of tackling climate change. They talk to business leaders, politicians, scientists, and activists, and ask, what makes you feel outraged about climate change? What is there to be optimistic about? Don't wait. Subscribe to Outrage and Optimism on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts for new episodes every Thursday. And we're back with Martika Wakeman and Miles Pepper, co-founders of Sanakind. I was speaking to you both before we hit record that... You know, I don't live in an urban environment. I live in a very rural, very rural place. And every day I take my dog for a walk and every day I am picking up the 
face masks. I don't know why people are putting that. I don't even think it's probably intentional. Maybe they're putting it in their pocket and it slips out. But there has been a significant influx in single-use waste thanks to this pandemic. And so I'm asking this question not for you to answer in your capacity as co-founders of Sanikind, but more as within your capacity of citizens of this planet. What have you both seen with regard to waste creation in the past year? Yeah, I mean, to your point there, the masks on the street, I think anyone who's who's looking down and walking has seen masks, you know, in bushes, in the gutters of streets, etc., it's interesting you say that. That was one of the reasons I started my prior company, Final Straws. I was running in the streets of LA and saw just hundreds of plastic straws, and I ended up just picking them up. So it's it's a sort of you know what we're seeing as these small single use items. It's shifted from straws, you know, to masks and to sanitizer bottles. So that's that's really what I feel is you know the, the most visible aspect of single use switch, but you know, from everything from plastic bags to gloves to just vast amount of products that people are ordering as single use. It's food containers and forks and everything that you would be, instead of using at home or taking from, you know, let's say a restaurant, you know, people have just started to eat out way more and you're ordering DoorDash and caviar and all these different types of ways in which we're consuming products has shifted vastly. And with that has come a massive amount of single use. So you just gave me the best lead in, Miles, to my next question. (laughs) Thank you so much for that. Which is, why is it then in times of fear, in times of crisis, we abandon the reusable products and we go straight to the single use ones? And I know that's a big question. Like, (laughs) I know there's no cut and dry answer there, but why do you think that is? And I'm asking because I'm thinking about my environmentally conscious supermarket, right? They are still refusing to let people bring their own bags in and they're citing sanitation. They're citing the health of their workers. And I totally support the health of their workers. However, there is no research to support the fact that a reusable product is more prone to COVID-19 than a single-use one. So back to the original question there is, why do we think as a society that single-use products are more sanitary? You know, to answer that, the real cause of all this, I think, was the intense amount of fear at the very beginning of this. It was Nothing else mattered other than keeping clean and safe. And it was this big unknown virus that spread through ways that we didn't know. I remember at the very, very beginning, the first few weeks of March, or I guess mid-March into April, the times I went to the grocery store, I came home and wiped down my groceries before putting them in the fridge. And I know I've talked to other people who did the same. So it was just like huge unknown. And the CDC didn't know, you know, how the virus spread. Was it through air? Was it through surfaces? You know, if you look at someone, can you catch COVID? It, you know, it was this like massive unknown. And what we saw was, and what I experienced too, is that, you know, resorting back to single-use plastic as it being this sanitary thing is, you know, no one else had ever touched it and had never been open before. That's where people felt the safest. And as the CDC and more tests have been done and 
the virus has been understood more and more, we've learned that, you know, wiping down your groceries isn't really necessary. And people have stopped doing that. And it's become more of a thing. It's like, you do want to keep your hands clean. You're supposed to wash your hands, wear a mask. And if you're doing those, you'll probably, for the most part, be all right. And with that, I think we're in this really interesting position now as a society is we've you know, resorted back to single use and now reusables are starting to be used more and more. And what we've done with SantaKind, I think, is we've given people a way to stay safe and feel healthy, but also reintroduce reusable products that are A, sanitary and B, really sustainable. And I think it's this really interesting time in you know, during this year and throughout the next few years where people are going to be switching back to reusable products after having this massive culture shift. You know, leaving your house without your mask is something that most people are not doing now. It's you, your personal carry items are your phone, wallet, sanitizer, and mask now. And that's something that we really see as a way to help people with SantaKind be able to implement reusables back into their lives. You know, to address what's really underneath all of this is that, you know, our economy on a domestic and global scale is designed to have us be purchasing. And that's it's nothing new to your listeners. But if you think that it, it, that's what we're, we're designed to do, we've been told to do that our entire lives. And that's, that's what if, you know, when, when all this was happening, a lot of the news was saying how, oh no, the state of the economy. And what they're actually talking about was the GDP, which is a measure of how much Americans are consuming. That's pretty wild, right? That we're measuring how much people are consuming as a measure of our well-being as a country. So we could start there with just how that is just not a measure for the well-being of a country whatsoever. But in a time of stress, that's what we're we've been we've been told to do is is to to buy, is to fix something, to come back to if there's a scarcity mentality to to purchase. Um, I think we all felt that when there was all of a sudden this shortage in the grocery store and there's no toilet paper. And, you know, even if you're the most kind-hearted, empathetic person, you're still thinking, well, you know, we my household needs toilet paper. What am, am I not going to give this to my kids? Or it was just a very weird time to be an empathetic person. And women especially, who are, are some of the most conscious consumers and the predominant consumer of any household, we've been disproportionately affected by the virus. We are out of jobs. I can't back up the statistic from, I, I can't think of the source off the top of my head, but I I did read in the news that there has never been so many women out of work since 1988, which was just insane. And, and they became child caretakers, school teachers, still working or disproportionately out of work. So when when that amount of stress is put on a, a certain demographic, who is the, the person who normally cares the most about the environment and the household, you can't expect them to have to save the world while they're at it from an environmental standpoint. Just survival mode is is really where a lot of people went. And it became, do you pick society? Do you pick the environment? And of course, throughout this pandemic, it sort of had to be society for a large part of it. So I think it's such an interesting, interesting sort of societal experiment that we had to see why we fear-based buy, but it's, it's not going away. 
that's just the the thing I think we all have to have to come to grips with that us having to buy things is not going to go away. We're just going to continue to get ads in every way mm-hmm. possible. And Martika, I really appreciate that you essentially touched on the women's mental load in your response. I never thought about the single use with pandemic problem through that lens, but it makes total sense, right? We are in survival mode. We are (laughs) trying to continue to provide for our family while also living out of fear. So we don't have the mental space, essentially, is what I believe you were saying, to, you know, do our conscious consumer research or put the planet first. We have to put ourselves first when we are, by definition, in that fear state. So that gives me hope, actually, as the pandemic recedes and life gets back to normal, that those of us in our communities who do tend to put the planet at the top of their (laughs) lists will continue to do so, again, as that fear recedes. And now I really wanted to steer this conversation towards the virgin plastic conundrum. And I know (laughs) from researching for this episode that the pandemic has actually accentuated the creation of more virgin plastic. And by the way, for listeners who have no idea what virgin plastic is, that is plastic that has not yet been in production. It has not recycled plastic. And worse than that, the oil and gas industries are planning to spend significantly more money, $400 billion to be exact, over the next five years to make plants that will take raw materials and create virgin plastic. And the reason for this, well, there's a lot of reasons for this, but one of the reasons is that there are a lot of less cars on the road, a lot of increased, as we're moving into the next decades, increased need for electric vehicles as opposed to gas guzzlers. And so, the fossil fuel industry really needs to stay relevant, right? And so they're kind of putting an awful lot of chips in the plastic market. This should be concerning. (laughs) It's concerning me. And I'm just wondering, does this concern either of you? Oh, totally. I mean, it's massively concerning. You know, we we don't use virgin plastic for our minis. We use upcycled plastic. So we're certainly feeling the effects of it. Where does this have relevance for any listener? A lot of people talk about the Paris Agreement, and that was a huge historic moment for the world. That was back in 2015. 195 countries entered the Paris Agreement, which was the first time that we had consensus from that many global leaders to fight climate change. And that's where we saw the UN Sustainable Development Goals come out of as metrics, 17 different goals to achieve together just amazing. So to have these global leaders come together and then have global corporations sort of cut them off at the knees, so to speak, it really feels like three steps forward, which were really long, hard steps to get to, and then six steps back very quickly. The issue that we're both seeing is that, you know, as you were mentioning, fossil fuel companies, which plastic is made of from oil, they're trying to find another way to get their product out the door. And the way to do that with not as many people driving is to produce single-use plastic. And what we've seen is also this shift where single-use plastic is the sanitary solution to staying safe. And Martique and I were discussing, it really seems like the way to 
come out of this is, you know, now that the world's sort of shifting back to pre-pandemic mindset is that these these regulations that were sort of cut off because of COVID can start being implemented again. And we're really excited to see that sort of start to start to begin again. Yeah, I think it's just so apparent that that these ne- negative externalities from companies, whether it's air pollution or it's, you know, if Coca-Cola wants to make Coca-Cola, the negative externality is the plastic bottle. That just ends up in the abyss. It ends up in our oceans, in our landfills. It doesn't get recycled, you know, a tiny, tiny fraction of a percentage. They need to be paying for that. And that is not going to change unless policy changes. So you discuss it a lot with some of the hosts you've had, but where it comes to your personal responsibility to be sustainable. And I get very angry because it's it's really like, yes, of course it is our personal responsibility. And hopefully Santa Kind makes your life easier in that regard. But we could actually solve the climate crisis much easier if we had actual policies that stopped corporations from being able to pollute in the first place. This isn't rocket science. It's actually quite simple. Mm, That's a real powerful statement, Martika. Thank you for leaving it there. And I will just say that, yes, it is frustrating (laughs) that if we had the laws and the policies and the regulations, we may not be in this position today. However, I did start this podcast because I believed that, you know, And I still believe that we can do what we can within our own communities, within our own homes, to also collectively, individually, but when individuals add up, we are collectively doing what we can to fight back. And so that's where I kind of want to end our conversation today. I'm wondering if you can speak to the eco-conscious listener right now about SantaKind. What problems... Will SantaKind solve for those listeners? And where can you be found online? So we, with SantaKind, wanted to focus on three things, which were convenience, sustainability, and fun. And what we've developed is, I think, the best hand sanitizer out there. It's you know fully made from upcycled ocean-bound plastic. It's endlessly refillable. And coupled with our aluminum refill bottles, we create zero single-use plastic. And with these aluminum bottles, the aluminum as a material is incredibly sustainable. And we're seeing this huge shift from a lot of different manufacturers for all different types of products shifting to aluminum, which I think is you know part of this policy conversation that we were just touching on. The ability for you know a lot of consumers to switch to aluminum instead of plastic, I think is going to be one of the next big shifts away from single-use plastic production while still keeping the sustainability aspect and the single-use aspect, but without the endless or the, uh, you know, the long-term pollution that single-use plastic brings. Been, it's been quite the ride, I will say, starting a company amidst a, a pandemic with someone you've never met except over Zoom. <laughs> it's, it's really incredible. And I, I'll just say that it's one of those things that it's quite humbling to think about the impact that we're making because sure, it doesn't seem like much, but if, if you're going to be using sanitizer more and more and you're using those two ounce bottles, those don't biodegrade. If anything, it's 450 years before it's biodegradable and it doesn't actually go anywhere. It just becomes, you know, something that a fish is going to eat, for example. So it does add up. 
to date, we have removed the equivalent of 118,000 plastic bottles from the ocean to make our minis. And we've estimated that the average person using between six or eight sanitizer bottles a year, which is probably pretty conservative, that we've prevented another 350,000 from being purchased in the abyss. So that's really, really cool. And we only launched in November. So the impact's really incredible when we come together and make a difference. So if your listeners want to find us, they can find us at sanakind.com. For Instagram, we have we have really fun um, facts to help you with your daily sustainability. We've got hysterical eco memes. I love an eco meme. <laughs> right? They're just so funny. Um, that's at Santa Kind Official. I really look forward to watching you both take over the sanitizer market and transforming it into a reusable one. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Listeners, I so hope you enjoyed my chat with Miles and Martika from SantaKind. I should say that after recording our conversation, Miles and Martika did send me the loveliest SantaKind package. They sent me four sanitizer bottles made of recycled plastic, one for every person in my household, and a gigantic bottle of sanitizer in aluminum. So thank you so much to Miles and Martika for doing that. I really appreciate your thoughtfulness. This week's show notes, you can find them and everything we talked about today in them at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 188. And on next week's show, we are discussing the tenets of eco-friendly entertaining just in time for 4th of July for my American listeners. So eco-friendly entertaining, what is it? How can we do it without being chained to the kitchen, to the sink, to the dishes? We're going to talk about that next week. I will see you then and take care.